Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. Ahoy and welcome to episode 68 of Thrive Deeper. It's I, the humble host of the show, DJ Payne. And on this week's episode, I get to sit with our good friend, Matthew Jacoby, and finish off our discussion on the book of James. We've got the final two chapters, chapters four and five, to wrap up this week. Also, we get into a a small discussion about a big topic, and this is Christians publicly denying their faith? Can a Christian even publicly fall out of the faith? And also, I surprised Matthew with a discussion about charts. And also, we have a very special offer to share with you about your favorite band, Sons of Korah, all that and a lot more on this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. So grateful that you can be a part of it. Stick around and enjoy the discussion. Matt, we have been on the charts. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, what so, a strange way to start. I know, I know. Uh, I, I am. I've, I've got a. We've got a new service that we're using as part of our podcasting, and uh, this wonderful service actually tracks tracks how we chart mm. on the different podcasting charts. Believe it or not, there yep. are charts for podcasting. Wow! Like there's music charts. Yeah. There's podcasting charts, mm. and I found out that in Australia, in the category of religion and spirituality. Mm. We peaked, we had a peak position, mm. our podcast, mm. at 43. Wow. Out of, <laughs> out of, now they chart 1,500 different mm. podcasts. So peaking at 40, 43, you laugh. Wow. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's good. We sound really insecure, don't we? We're just going to keep checking how many I, I, this listening. Is all me. <laughs> this is all me. Like, now, okay, I'll try to care. The, 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 this is, it's all me. It's all me. Uh, in Australia, in the in the genre of Christianity, we peaked at thirty two. Wow! Okay. All right, all right. So it gets better. Right. There is a bad side to this, though. Yeah. Because at the moment, this week, we are currently charting at four hundred twenty one and six hundred sixty, respectively, in those two different okay. categories. So we have dropped. Is that because you forgot to upload it, or? <laughs> it might be a little bit of that, but we've we've peaked in our position and we've ranked. Now, this is why when I say to people, "Hey, it's really great if you can actually rate us on iTunes in in the Apple thing," because that actually helps with the charts there. Believe it or not, that helps other people find it. Oh, so it becomes more visible, does it? Yeah, oh, it really okay. does help move us up the chart. So. If you care about this type of stuff and us getting mm. found, which I do, I need to sort of get a bit of a street team together that's mm. going to rate us all at the one time and get mm. us up those charts there. We're, uh, you know, we're competing against, you know, really big podcasts like Hill Songs and, you know, other big churches and stuff. Mm. And then there's this little Thrive Deeper up there. Mm. So I know you care a lot about it, Matt. You'll be staying up wakes trying to figure it out, but uh, that's, yeah. what, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of Hill Song, it's been interesting... Uh, and this is old news when this is coming out. We're yes. working a little ahead here because yep. I'm about to go overseas. Uh, just interesting couple of instances of quite high-profile Christians 
falling away. Very from, funny that you bring that up. Yeah. And um, and then you know, interesting also the responses to that. Interesting times, isn't it? It is interesting times. It's something that's come up in a few different circles, and I wasn't. I was, we haven't even had a chance to talk about no, no, this, even yeah. you know, without yeah. the microphones running here. But uh, in the last few weeks, we've had um, just the two main, main recent ones. As at the time of recording, we've had Joshua Harris, uh, the young man who was responsible. Well, he was young when he released the book in the nineties. Of I Kiss Dating Goodbye in the mm. mid '90s, he was 20 when that book came out mm. and got it. Wow! Some, yeah, exactly. Okay. And he he has since like years ago he came out and said, "Apologies for writing that book. I was a kid. Mm. I didn't know anything better. Why did they let a 20 year old have a publishing platform Mm-mm. like that?" He since got married, was a pastor of a church, and his his road um, his road has been interesting. He apologized for the book and that type of teaching. He then, he then apologised on behalf of the church, stepped out as a pastor over LGBTQ issues in the church. Mm. And has, then he announced the, the, the divorce of his wife and then he announced right. that he's okay. come out of his mm. left Christianity behind mm. him. He no longer believes. And then recently, a couple of weeks after that, mm. one of Hillsong's main songwriting hit, mm. hit stars, uh, Mr. Sampson, Marty Sampson, has come out and said, yeah, I'm no longer a believer. Mm. And he named he named um, and I don't want I want to be very careful what I say here. He talked about a bunch of questions that he felt that the church mm. does not talk yeah, about. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, but I think it's his. Like I'm going to say this: those questions that he talked about is something that, in my church experience, I've spent my whole life talking about. Mm. So he's obviously in that culture of that particular type of church or that particular experience that he's had in that church, especially being adored on stage all the time. He hasn't asked those hard questions. Mm. Now that he's getting to a stage where he's asking those hard questions, it's made him walk away from the faith. Yeah, well, it would be interesting to hear what his because because I, I don't think we should. I mean, we can't really make a judgment about what the church hasn't or hasn't yes. said based on his word because they might say no, we have talked about that or whatever. Yes. So we can put that aside. Um, but but it is it. I think it does demonstrate the the need for a really robust. Yes, uh, yes. Conversation around difficult things mm. and, and a willingness. And, and I also think it shows the importance actually of having a fairly thorough and intelligent kind of approach to scripture, uh, one that is really informed and that sets people up for, the, the, you know, so that they're not caught by surprise yes. by anything. Because a lot of the. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. This this got me. The, 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 these couple of instances got me thinking about doubt. You know, the, and and look. You know, my background is in philosophy, and and you know, doubt doubt is it's a funny sort of thing because my experience as a Christian is that my my knowledge of God is not based on empirical evidence, or it's not based on the fact that this or that was proved. It, it's based on the fact that God took hold of my life and and I became a Christian. It's like my thinking had to then catch up with that. It was like I started with faith yes, and then understanding came afterwards. Yes. And so one of the things I often say is doubt occurs, is doubt occurs when we try to use the wrong capacity to know God. Hmm. And the interesting thing about doubt is that everything – can be doubted. Everything and any anything can be doubted. And if you, um, and 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 I'm, I feel like I'm naturally 
fairly sceptical person. You, you're actually similar to me. I think oh. we're both similar. Similar. We're naturally fairly sceptical people. So uh, I, I actually read a lot of sceptical literature, like the, the, the best stuff that's yeah. out there or the worst, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, the biggest attacks on the Bible, the, the, you know, the, the best arguments of the new atheism. And, and I feel compared, I feel that this, this knowledge that I have of God is so massive. Mm. Like it's not something, it's not a piece of knowledge that I hold on to. It's something that holds on to me, something that's so all-consuming. Yeah. That the arguments to me, and, and there was a time in my teenage years when I, I was a convinced atheist, but after having encountered God, I felt like my arguments were something like shooting arrows at the sun to <laughs> extinguish the sun. Yeah, yeah. It was just seemed ridiculous. Mm, mm. And a lot of those arguments about, oh, you know, the Bible, you know, there are contradictions in the Bible or these, you know, the Bible isn't what it claims to be or a lot of those arguments are based on this, on a methodology of doubt where it's like, Unless the Bible can prove, unless we can prove that these things actually were the case, then we're just going to assume that they're not the case. Mm, mm. And you know, w- when you come with that methodology, the methodology, the outcome is determined in a sense by. Yeah. It's like if you come to it with 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 doubt, you're going to e- end up that way. So it's like the the thing is, doubt ends in doubt. Yes. Um, it's it's a it's a circular thing, which is interesting because a lot of skeptics say that about faith. Um, but the other thing about faith is that faith is not, as we saw when we looked at Hebrews, faith is not the absence of... Trials or yeah, tribulations. It's not the absence or, yeah. of evidence. It's just that our evidence is a different kind of evidence. It's not an mm. empirical evidence. Yes. Because God is not an empirical object. Yeah. And our, our evidence, our faith, it, it's, faith is the evidence, as we saw in Hebrews 11.1, 1, because faith puts us directly in connection with God. Faith occurs when God embraces us faith mm. is kind of seated but faith is kind of activated when we reciprocate that embrace yeah um, and uh, again i i i'm gonna i i agree and that I, and, and the, my point is is that that puts us into a direct connection mm. with god and we know god with a spiritual capacity that is so way beyond the mind what the mind and senses can grasp but then we exercise our thinking in our minds yes. from that perspective and from that perspective i read scripture and you know it's it's like there's the, I, I have I have found in all of my years of a Christian, I've and I have faced the, the, all of the best of what people, critics can throw at the Bible. Yeah. I am more convinced than ever that the Bible is the Word of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I have seen no reason to doubt yes. uh, what Scripture is telling me, as long as we have a robust view of Scripture yeah. that is not expecting something of the Bible that we shouldn't expect. And I think this is. Uh, one of the problems too. But. That's definitely one of the problems. Yeah. And I will, and, I, and again, from what I can only go from what this guy is talking about. We're, we're, we're probably referencing Marty Simpson from from formerly of Hillsong a little bit more. Um, Samson. Marty Samson, I think so. Yeah, I think it's Marty Samson mm. with a P. Um, he uh, and uh, shout out to Marty if you want to get on mm. the podcast. Let us I know. Think you were thinking of Homer Simpson. <laughs> is that? I don't know no. where he stands. <laughs> no, he's a he's a confirmed believer. No, the um, uh, no, getting back to that. And again, I don't want to. People will be think I'm having a go at the Hillsong culture or anything like that. But I'm just I'm talking more about the fame when you are mm. writing hit songs where you have to hit certain a mm. level of emotion in all of these mm. songs. 
So he's lived in a bubble where it's uh, it. I feel it's been a very fake bubble that he's been living in, obviously, where he hasn't let. Because I understand what you're saying, and I agree 100 what you're saying about doubt. For me, the the journeys of when I go to doubt, you know, because my faith and my relationship with God is 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 lived in. Mm. When doubts hit, I go to the God about them, mm. and I fight it out with Him. I say, mm. right, what about this? And I mm. have it out mm. with Him. And and that living relationship mm. comes comes through that, so so the sad thing is, and I guess I'm it might, it might be me getting Calvinistic in the old in my mm-hmm. older age, where someone like this very publicly says, "Oh, one little trouble has come to me, or one doubt has come to me, and I'm throwing the whole thing away." Yeah. I sort of go, "Well, were were you did you ever were you ever?" You know, which um, is difficult. We we can't really make, exactly. that, make that I'm not, that yeah. sounds so judgmental. Yeah, yeah. But but, but, but I, think I get the I get the line I get the line of thought perhaps yeah. and and yeah and and it can't be you can, I think one of the problems is everyone looks for a scapegoat in this yes well maybe it was his church or maybe it was this or maybe it's that no. well it's just you know I, I think it's fundamentally mistaken I do I think it's fundamentally uh, mistaken of course but um, I think it just comes down to the individual really and it's no one's fault I mean yeah. the fact that he was uh, that he became very well known. There's an inevitability to that if you're really talented and yes. Um, oh, again, I'm not blaming know, fame, yeah, and I'm yeah, not even yeah. blaming the culture. Yeah. I'm, I'm just. I, I guess it's a warning on the back of Hebrews yeah. that we've just gone yeah. through, where the writer of Hebrews makes it pretty clear yeah. that you do not back yeah, away. Well, it's it. interesting in, in the light of that, isn't it? In the light of yeah. that, and then in the light of James, what we're saying that practical yeah. faith is all about. Yeah. How we know someone is actually yeah. a real believer. Yeah. I look at these cases and I say. It it makes me want to shore up what I have, yeah, and 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 really sit in that knowledge there. So, yeah. I had no idea you were going to bring any of that up. Uh, <laughs> I wish I, I would have pulled up I some just quotes to know what you thought about that. But oh anyway. boy! Well, listen, we are um, talking about wisdom. We are looking at the book of James, and on this episode, we're looking at the last couple of chapters of, of James. We spent uh, last episode. Uh, talking about, if you haven't had a listen to the last episode, episode 67, mm. we were talking about the introduction to James that this is a book written by Jesus' own half-brother, mm. a pillar of the church, according to Paul, and one of the um, you know one of the wisest elders of the early church mm. uh, fathers there in Jerusalem. And James, this is a very early letter to uh, to the uh, to the church, mm. especially, to the Jewish believers because the church was mostly yeah. made up of Jewish mm. believers That's right, yeah. in that early time. So, Matt, there was uh, there was one question that we we didn't really get to, but uh, it really hit me again reading it uh, in chapter 2 of, uh, you know, of, of uh, James there. And chapter 2 where James really warns about, and it's funny that we you brought up cases where there's fame involved here. Mm. In chapter 2 he talks about favoritism. He talks about warning against prejudice about people who are rich or people mm, who, yeah, in our culture, yeah. maybe celebrities or fames that we give, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'll take the best seat, you know, here in the church because you've got mm. money, because you've got fame, you've got some sort mm. of credibility. And then he goes on, he says, look, hasn't God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom? Quoting Jesus again. And, uh, you know, but you dishonor the poor, isn't it? The rich who oppress you, blah, 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 blah. So he's talking about rich there, but I guess in our culture, I sort of was thinking, man, alive, we bend over backwards for those who have some sort of fame or celebrity. Well, I think this is an interesting 
cultural issue uh, for us because we tend to elevate people based on skill or gifting, uh, whereas in the early church they elevated people based on character. And uh, and we live in a culture that, that does elevate people based on certain skill sets. You know, it's what you do. And because you do that really well, um, therefore you get elevated. Um, whereas in the early church, they were far less impressed about that. Because, of course, one of the, one of the most uh, highly regarded skills uh, in the Greco-Roman world was the skill of rhetoric, you know. And, uh, of course, Paul says quite explicitly, I'm not a great rhetorician. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm... Uh, and, so, you know, leads, leading some people to think that maybe he had a stutter or something because he really plays that down. So he said, I did, did not come with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Mm. So um, the, uh, our propensity to elevate people based on, uh, on skill is quite discordant with with the priority mm. of the early church, which uh, which was very much about character and recognizing a spiritual uh, a spiritual maturity in people, like it's very, uh, I, I think Paul warns Timothy against laying hands on a novice, meaning don't give a novice too much responsibility. Yeah. And I mean, a novice for them was like they really expected a lot. In this culture, I mean, we've talked about in Hebrews, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews says to people who by all accounts are suffering already for their faith and tells them to strengthen their feeble knees. And so, so a lot is expected of people and, um, and the church leaders uh, were chosen very carefully because it was understood that church leaders had to really embody the faith yeah. and they had to exemplify uh, that not only to the church but to the world, and they were they needed to be able to do that to the uh, to actually the, even the giving of their lives because in the early church lots it was actually the leaders that they took down, mm. so it was kind of taken for granted if you were a leader you were probably going to get knocked off at some point so you yeah. really needed to know that and of course James was killed he was thrown off the top of uh, off the temple the temple. Um, the temple um, platform and then stoned afterwards mm. you know so this is not you're not going to jump into the position you're not going to want to be elevated too quick so yeah. it's kind of had that persecution had that kind of sorted the wheat from the chaff in that sense because to even want to be a leader you had to be a person of great character and strength of faith so how do we how do we and i'm talking mostly about you know our church in the West, I guess, and I guess it might be the same thing for some churches in other countries as well, but we seem to want to elevate the people in the fancy clothes. We want to elevate <laughs> the people in the, you know, I've seen it firsthand, in, and I won't mention any names, but I've seen, we live in, if you're familiar with Australia, and it might be the same in whatever country you're in, but we live in Victoria where people are football, AFL crazy. Mm. Mm. I've seen AFL players try to sneak into churches in Geelong and be dragged up on stage and, and praised because of the game, because of the sport, the occupation that they have. And um, and mo- mostly I say, you know, uh, I'm not having a go at them, at the football players, because they often look very embarrassed or, mm. please, I just want to come to church. Mm. But we live in a culture that wants to somehow make a special deal about someone's fame or someone's celebrity or the riches mm. they have. Even and it does and it does come down to money. I've had people whisper and point point to me at church and say, mm. 
oh, be nice to that guy over there. He's got a lot of money, you know. And, and like it's, and mm. I'm like, hang on, isn't Peter warning? Isn't sorry? Well, isn't suppose, James? Isn't James yeah. warning us about that? I suppose the the validity, if I can just defend that for a moment, yeah. um, the the validity of that is that these people have an extra because they're in a very public role, and they that therefore there's an extra amount of pressure upon them, and so perhaps we should give that an extra amount of prayer for yeah. those people, oh, you know, is to recognise that and to... And, and it kind of normalises that. Yeah, OK, look, yes, we've got a public person in our midst. Let's all get over that. Let's get this out of the way. Let's pray for them. Yes. Let's, you know, let's kind of normalise that. And I think there's something actually, uh, you know, like, I mean, we, we haven't done that for a long time now as a church, but when, when we did it once, I... I, I felt like it normalised something. It yes. had that had that effect oh, I've in, se- in our church. I, I've yeah. seen the same thing, and and again, I, I'm I come from it a little bit different perspective because I don't really feel like I'm I'm wowed by finance or I'm wowed by sport or fame. But if you pulled up a musician that I looked mm. up to, or someone whose art had affected mm. me, or a filmmaker mm. who I found out was in the church, I'd be fawning all over them. <laughs> you know, I'd be I'd be just as guilty as that. So. I just, I guess it's it's such a practical thing of James here to be warning us about that human thing yeah. of wanting to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, like, we're dealing with people who have already been elevated more by society than than yeah. the church. I suppose what what we're talking about here and and moving from our conversation at the start is the way is, I guess, a bit of a call for discernment around. Yeah. Who we elevate as 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 Christians, yes. and basing that rather than basing that on gifting, basing mm. that on uh, on on character. Because I, like I, I've just seen so many uh, situations where people have been elevated because of gifting, and th- th- it actually has n- not been good for the development of their character. No, um, because their their gifting has been worn almost like a. Um, uh, sort of a mask almost over the top of yes. some issues. Now, when you say um, gifting, define gifting to, for me. Are you talking about well, a, skill, na- you know, a natural talent yeah, that they have? Yeah, Or, uh, or are, you, are you talking more of a spiritual gifting? Oh, well, it, well, it can be both. Okay, yeah. okay. I mean, because I, I actually, you know, I, I wouldn't want to separate different forms of gifting yes. uh, necessarily, although obviously they're, they're, you know, we're talking spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. I know there's... Distinctive elements of that, but yes. look, you know, anything, you know, elevation based on any form of gifting, I think, is yes. not should not be the leading uh, thing. It should be based on absolutely based on character. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. great. I, I really, really mm. like that. Okay, that's great. That's a great, great way. To, all right, well, there we go. That's a great introduction to uh, this week's episode about James. Let's take a break right now. Back in a moment, and we'll get into these final two chapters on the book of James, and we'll wrap up this beautiful letter here from uh, Jesus' own half-brother, next on Thrive Deeper. G'day family, it's DJ here and I don't know if you've ever heard the expression from the comedian Martin Mull. He once said that talking about music is like dancing about architecture. 
it just doesn't make sense. You've got to experience music to really understand it. And I love the music of Sons of Korra. You're probably listening to this because you've been a fan of Sons of Korra for a long time. Or maybe, just maybe, you didn't put two and two together that Matthew Jacoby, who I do the podcast with, is the same Matthew Jacoby who's the lead singer and the beating heart behind the group Sons of Korra. So I thought, as I tell you about a very special offer we have for you about Sons of Korra, I should probably play you some of my favorite songs of Sons of Korra. So I'm just going to give you a little taste. Did you know that not every Sons of Korra song that they've released has been a psalm? (gasps) Yeah, that's right. From the very first album, Light of Life, they had a song where Matthew took the words of 2 Timothy and put it to song. It's called It's Over Now, and it's from the viewpoint of the Apostle Paul at the end of his life writing to his son of the faith, Timothy. Have a listen to how it starts. My son, my life is all poured out Like an offering for the Lord I am leaving, I'm going to a better place Another song from the early Sons of Korra catalogue that I absolutely love is from the album Shelter, and it's Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? Have a listen to this. Whom have I in heaven but you? Whom have I in heaven but you? song but you might be a fan of Sons of Korra live and there's some fantastic live albums being recorded like this live version of Babylon we remember Zion Finally, did you know that there's some songs that the band loves to perform live, but they've never recorded on one of their full-length studio albums? Like this huge crowd favourite live called Hallelujah. It's on Live Recordings Volume 1. Listen to this. Here's infinite understanding, here's infinite understanding, There are some amazing Sons of Korra albums out there. And I want to let you know that you can get 50% off any 
of the albums in the entire catalogue just from their online store. That doesn't matter if it's a digital download or a physical CD, you will pay half price. Here's what you do. Go to sonsacora.com and click on shop at the top of the page. You'll then see online store. Head over there. Go to their online store. You select the items you want from Sons of Cora. As many as you want, all or as few. This is a great chance to do some Christmas shopping. When you go to pay for them, put in the discount code THRIVE TODAY 50. That's the word THRIVE, the word TODAY, and the number 5-0. All together, no spaces. One more time, that's THRIVE TODAY 50. Once you've applied the code, you'll receive 50% discount off any Sons of Korra items in your cart. Now, the one thing you need to remember, you can only use this discount coupon once. So make sure you maximize your discount. The offer expires on Friday, the 25th of October, 2019. Get involved and tell your Sons of Korra loving people around you to get on this right away. All right, back to the episode. On Thrive Deeper. deeper and we are looking at the book of James we're looking at the last two chapters here of this little epistle from uh, you know one of the earliest letters that we have from the early church and uh, James 4 and 5 we want to look at here to finish off uh, what uh, what uh, the letter is all about Uh, looking at uh, some of the points that James brings out in chapter 4 Matt uh, it, what what is uh, some of the things that have jumped out to you in this reading? Well, uh, verse three says, "When you are it, well, just before that, it says you do not have because you do not ask God." Mm. Uh, and then it goes on to say, "When you ask, this is verse three, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on uh, on your pleasures." Now, this is interesting to me because um, you know there are a lot of the these ask and you shall receive promises uh, in, in the New Testament. And um, sometimes we can take these out of context a little as sort of unconditional statements. And there, I mean, there's, there's unconditional grace. Uh, I mean, grace by a definition is unconditional. Yes. There's an un, let's say there's an unconditional goodness uh, behind this. Um, but there are there are conditions on these. There is you know there are certain conditions that make these kinds of promises work. And this is an interesting one because it it uh, it adds one of these conditions. It's not like God's going to be our genie and follow us around and give give us whatever we want. Yep. So there's this kind of open, um, just open for for anything. Although having said that, I think. Whatever we, whatever you want, you should take that desire to God. Like if you, you know, if you want um, a collection of Ferraris, and you know, like by <laughs> how, all means, how did DJ, you know Matt? How did you, you know, Matt? How did by you all know? means, you go to God and talk about that with God. Yeah. In fact, if you want a collection of Ferraris, I would especially suggest that you go and talk to God about that and see what He says about that. Yes. Right? 
So go and talk to God about, but don't automatically assume that you're going to get it based on some formula of ask and you shall receive. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, John talks about asking, I think it's in John 15, you know, in accordance with God's will. Ah, uh, so, so that's, you know, that's the first thing. But this is another interesting one because it adds another kind of condition um, proviso to this. Yeah. And that is that we ask with the right kind of motives. Now, we need to be clear about what this means because, yes. we, you know, our motives are never completely pure. Okay, but God still wants to answer our prayers. Actually, this is this is talking about something um, a little bit more in terms of, uh, I guess, um, where we the, the position from which we ask. So, so for example, um, the the way that I often put it is that the promises of God apply for the purpose of God. Yeah, you know. So it's like if you are. If you are prioritizing the purpose of God, then, uh, well, you are kind of in the flow of God's promises. Yes. But if you step out of that and it's like, well, I want this and want that, it's got nothing to do with God's purpose for my life or for anything else. I'm just claiming some promises. Yeah, I'm just claiming some promises just for some other reason that's got nothing to do with God's Mm. purpose. Well, Mm. um, you know, and, and look, sometimes you know, God is good just because he just loves to spoil us and give us good things, you know, and, yeah. th- and that's great. And and that can be, you know, that can be, that is part of his purpose because part of God's purpose is just being good and kind and ge- like a generous father, you know. Yeah. Um, however, the problem here is that the motive is it's all about you. You yeah. just, he's saying you're not, you're not receiving because it's, it's just all about you and you just want to, you know, y- you just want to fill up your, um, your sort of wealth tank so yes. you can... Be better than everyone and, and, and it opens up in chapter four. It's like God's saying, I'm not going to be a part of that. Yes. Yeah. And and James is talking, you know, it, the whole context of this is saying, look, there's quarrel, quarreling, there's fights, there's jealousy amongst you. Yeah. This is, you know, like, he, and so he goes, as, as, as Jesus did, as his own brother did, goes straight to the heart of the matter and saying, yeah. it's all about your heart. And the thing that hit me in reading was the next, you know, little paragraph there. Where he says, you know, he says you're you're adulterators here, mm. and then he, he, you know, he's he talks about friendship with the world, and then there's that verse five that I sort of don't remember this verse before. Of course, I've read it many mm. times, but he says, "Do you think the scriptures have no meaning?" And that oh, that really mm. cut me. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit He has placed within us should be faithful to Him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, talk about motivation of your prayer life. Yeah. You pray in the spirit. We don't, you know, basically saying you, you've read the scripture. You know what this mm. is supposed to be. You, this has got more meaning. The spirit within us is supposed to be faithful to God and praying in accordance with the scripture. But no, we're just offering our own thing, as you're saying, yeah. out in our own, pur- not in the purposes of God, but asking for yeah. our own thing. Oh. So, so if our priorities just don't match God's, I mean, there is going to be this continual clash between oh. our expectations and what God wants to give. And, yes. I mean, one of the things, to, to walk by faith, we need to come into alignment. We need to get connected with actually what God wants for us mm. and and pray into that. And then our faith has some basis. Faith, Our faith has a basis. It's a connection with God and with God's purpose. Otherwise, um, otherwise it's, it's just... Um, I mean, another way to put it is 
otherwise we're treating God uh, as though it were his responsibility to follow us wherever we go, when yeah. actually it's the other way around. We 100%. need to follow where God leads. 100%. Uh, and, and so our priorities are really important when it comes to prayer. Um, it, it actually amounts to how are we treating God? Are we, is, is our prayer reflecting that God is God and not just our genie mm. in the bottle? And I mean, this, you know, this manifests itself because, you know, again, we, we talked earlier on about people falling away from faith. And one of the things that I've encountered again and again is people falling away for, from faith because they didn't get the things that they wanted from God. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just so, it's very consumer. Yes. It's, well, um, I was in this situation and I prayed for this and God didn't give me this. It's like, well, did you, did you ask God and seek God with what he actually wanted to do in your life in that circumstance, yeah. you know? And it may not have been that. Like, were you, and some, often there's not even any openness to that. It's like, this is a really hard thing. Mm. I prayed for this. I didn't get it. And there's this sort of demanding uh, uh, sort of um, position that we that we take on yeah. that I mean God's that doesn't acknowledge God as God. But this this is a thread, and again we've talked about it over many episodes. But this is a thread, and I, it might be something that God's doing in my life right now, or dealing with uh, my friends and family around me. The thread that we saw in the Old Testament time and time again with mm. the Jewish people is they had an expectation mm. of what God was going to yeah, do. Yeah. God has given us the city. God has given us a throne that's going to last forever. Yeah, yeah. God's going to do this. Yeah, that's right. The prophets say, don't. Yeah. Go. And they go, no, we're doing our own thing. Disappointment, disappointment, destruction. Yeah. And, of course, right. in the first century in the ministry of Jesus, they wanted God to do the political revolution. Jesus uh-huh. said, no, that's not what God's going to do. And they just could not accept it. Yeah. So that's exactly the kind of situation. Jesus, Jesus, like, exactly. Jesus' whole thing was subverting the expectation yeah. of all the people around him, including his own, his own followers, his best yeah. friends. Then we get to the book of Hebrews, and it's like the writer of Hebrews is, is writing that in the biggest letters yeah, possible. Yeah. You want to come to God, you must believe that he is. Is yeah. So you're actually your faith is in God, not yeah. in a certain outcome of prayer. And what you expect, you know, your expectations. Yeah, and and it's it, it's it's a faith that God is going to be God. So oh. I mean, you, so you actually need to let God be God. So if God doesn't answer your prayer, then uh, what we need to assume is that well, God's got a much better idea because He knows better, and let's try to. Let's ask him what that better idea is. Let's try to get in touch with what God is doing. Let him be God. Let him. Li- I mean, you may not find that out all at once, but this is where we need to trust that God is God. Mm. And he has an infinitely bigger picture than we have. So let's, um, let's trust that. Yeah. And that's, it's that willingness to let God be God that is the essence of faith. Oh. And that's what's... Needed here. That's the disposition from which the faithful prayer has to come. Exactly. And as he goes, as James goes on, and this is that thread again that James goes on in chapter seven, he then ends up talking about chapter four. Sorry, sorry, chapter four here in verse seven, he ends up talking about being patient, waiting for. Well, he says, "Submit yourselves then, yeah, to God." That's yeah. This is it. Yeah, that's right. You know, being patient and waiting for Christ's return. You know, um, you know, take courage. This whole idea of endurance and patience in faithfulness, 
not putting our expectations above yeah. what God wants to do. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I, how do we get? Why, why does like it's obviously something that we don't get, and you know we we obviously struggle with it because why has God spent so much time trying to tell us this over and over again? Yeah. in the world, I I think it's even expressed in verse eight where it says, "Come near to God, and He will come near to you." I mean, it's interesting that it's expressed that because normally the priority of God, uh, that the priority of God's activity in human life, that's normally what is stressed you know we responded to what god first did in our lives but i think it's put purposefully here because the point here is that you need to come to where god is you know it's not like i mean uh you know in one sense god comes to where we are in the sense of grace and christ coming to us but i think the emphasis here is that you need to turn away from that come to where God, it's like rendezvous with God where he wants to rendezvous with mm. you, which is in the place of repentance where you turn away from that kind of life and, you, again, you acknowledge that he is God yeah. and, and then that's where, you'll, that's where you find God. Mm. On, on that note, this is interesting where this goes here. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. I mean, again, isn't it interesting how... how I mean, yeah. It's like... This is a kind of culture where, where they're going to take. The, yep, the, 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 these leaders have this kind of authority, but there's also this culture where they can have a really hard talking to like this. Yeah, and, and then, wash your hands, you sinners; purify your hearts, you double-minded. I mean, these people are being persecuted. I think, gee, they're probably doing okay. I mean, I know they've got some issues, but verse nine: Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself yeah. before the Lord. I don't remember the last time, and I'm not having a go at you as yeah, my yeah, pastor yeah. or my preacher <laughs> at church, I don't remember the last time I've heard this in a sermon. Yeah, well, um, this is actually this is actually a verse um, that I reference a lot when I talk about the Lament Psalms yeah. because there's a tendency uh, to think of the Lament Psalms as, as something that it is a expression of perhaps despair rather than faith um, these complaints and and the fact that they're even even mourning over sin it's like what are you mourning over sin for because you know we're, we're forgiven in Jesus so we should just be joyful all the time but the the principle in the Psalms is that we can have no connection with that joy unless we first become conscious of our need and our brokenness and so the principle is in Psalm 126 goes those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy yeah. so this um this verse is interesting because we have a new testament validation of the principle that's it. being expressed yes. in the psalms it isn't just some inferior old testament faith that they just mourned you know and and, and lamented all the time and yeah. now we should just have joy all the time well there, there is a sense in which we, we have a joy all the time because Christ is our joy and we have him all the time. But there are things in our lives that God is grieved by. Mm. There are things in the world that God is grieved by. Mm. And we, we, we need to be sensitive to that. Mm. So um, it's, it's important that in wanting to have a faith that is characterized by joy, and of course we want that, let's also remember what the pathway to joy is, and that is through actually facing the harsh realities. Yeah. So there's a kind of 
dissociative effect that happens when we want to jump immediately to joy. I'm just going to be a joyful Christian. I'm going to, I'm going to skip over all of the hard-facing reality stuff. And to bring it back to the conversation right from the very mm. beginning, throwing up these yeah. these Christians that have fallen away, yeah. Yeah. maybe they didn't go through that journey. Maybe, well, maybe when the hardship comes, they didn't go through the reaping. You know, They haven't been there. And it's so bewildering. They're like, well, this doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore because I'm used to having this superficial joy about yeah. the Lord. And and look, if in you know, of course in the Psalms, if if things weren't working out and they felt like God God wasn't answering their prayers, if they felt there was these contradictions between what the Bible says and what I'm experiencing in my life, they would complain and keep complaining. <laughs> they it's like, you know, this is the difference between grumbling yes. and complaining yes. in, in the Psalms. Yeah. Uh, and I'm saying this because this relates to this. Yeah. Like grumbling is what you do when you give up on God and walk away from God. Yeah. Complaining is what you do when you say, no, I know that God is faithful and I'm going to keep going yeah. after God's faithfulness at whatever time and in whatever way God chooses because he's God. Yes. But we're going to, we're going to continue going after this. And if we, feel, if we feel that God is absent, if we feel a lack of divine activity in our lives, what they would do is cry out, you know, pour out your, you know, Jeremiah says in Lamentations, pour out your hearts like water before the Lord. Let your tears flow like a river. Mm. This is, it's this seeking, it's, it's this experience, which is so enormously important in my life of dwelling in my need mm. and exercising that need and deepening that need. Because like, I'm not, I'm not ready to receive God until I know how much I need God. Yeah. Otherwise, God's something other than what God really is. And God is the, the absolute answer to my deepest, the, deepest needs. Amen, amen. And, and I, like, I need to discover those deepest needs mm. so I can recognise God through that need as the fulfilment of those deepest needs. And this is what exactly what James is talking about throughout the whole book, but especially here in chapter 4, is this humility... This sense of brokenness that we have, the shame and the loss that we have, and the and the whole point about it is God's desire to be close to us, yeah, and our lack of desire mm. to draw near to Him, yeah. In to bring it back to the principle that you brought before, you know, ignoring God's purposes, just wanting our thing, mm. we we lose what God wants, which which is closeness to Him, yeah. And when we realise that we've lost it, we should be so broken and draw so close yeah. to him because that's what he wants. Yeah, that's and that, right. And that's echoing yeah. all the way back to Jeremiah. That's echoing yeah, yeah. everything that God has spent the yeah, entire right. Bible talking about. He's saying, just come to me, come to me, trust me, trust me. That's right. As I often say at church, the worst thing that could ever happen to us is that we end up being happy without God. <laughs> and and I, I have there is this sort of precious, I refer to it as a sort of a precious kind of misery that I enter into when when my life becomes discordant, when my attitudes wander away. And, and I, you know, I actually, I, I want to feel empty and miserable when that happens. And there's this sweetness about the experience of, of um, you know, recognising that reality. It's like, oh, my heart's, it breaks my heart that I have, that, that I see um, that, corruption in myself yet in that very instant the moment i recognize that this is when it's like the the broken spirit becomes the offering yes. that connects me with god you know psalm 51 those those um verses in psalm 51 the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit and a contrite heart 
it's like that the 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 recep- receiving the sadness of God. The moment I receive that, it, all at once, there's this sense of immense yeah. joy yeah. to that. You know, it's like the famous picture is in Ezekiel chapter two. I think it is when God hands Ezekiel a scroll, and on the scroll is written all of these basically God's case against his people, you know, words of lament and woe, right? This is God's lamenting over his people. This is what I have against you. Mm. And he says to Ezekiel, eat the scroll. And when Ezekiel eats the scroll, it tastes as sweet as honey. (laughs) And that's what, it's like, that's what grace does. The moment we recognize, um, it's like, you know, it's like the the, the other day, uh, um, you know, with one of my kids uh, had done something wrong and immediately, actually, unusually immediately really fessed up and said I realize that really put you out dad and I'm, I'm wow. really like really described back to me how that had why that was bad and said I'm really sorry it was my heart yeah was never so joyful in that moment like I seriously yeah, there were hugs and, and it's like thank you so much because they had aligned themselves yeah. exactly with your yeah. heart and there was not and you were like oh. you're, you're on the same page as me we're together on yeah. this and the joy that yes. I have found yep. in those moments. And so, so these words, grieve, mourn and wail, it's not, he's not saying this, this is in the NIV in yeah. verse 9, he says, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. In, in a sense, he's saying, don't be happy without God. Like, yeah. he, because, and the, and the context oh, here is that they're arguing and they're bickering yeah. and, and, and yet they're still being all spiritual. It's like, what he's saying is that you guys have got massive issues yeah. and what's going to solve this is if you stop criticising and quarrelling with one another, stop pointing the finger at each other and start actually realising what's in yourself and be brokenhearted about that. And you know what? It's actually going to unite you guys because you could, you'll be united in the fact that you're all pretty 100%. lost. And it's all within that phrase, come yep. close to God and God will come, come close exactly. to you. Exactly. That is all the... So all you come God's way. Yes. Let's share, see in yourself what God sees in you. Yeah. And then yep. there'll be that wonderful moment of reconciliation. Quickly, really quickly as we wrap up this episode, mm. two big things that, uh, that also hit me here in chapter four, especially in light of drawing close to God. Two things that get me out of God's purpose all the time. Two things that draw me away from God's purpose all the time. Is he is is uh, what is you know in the verses thirteen to seventeen we sort of read it and sort of skip over mm, it. Yeah. It's, it's it's this idea of planning and having everything sorted to my plans and mm. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that yeah. and I'm going to do all these things. <laughs> I'm a, a big pl- I'm a big planner. Yeah. I love my plans. I love my big plans. My little plans. All different plans. James says, be careful of that because you need to be living in light of this drawing close to God. And then in chapter 5, he then goes, and watch out about money. Riches and money, they're going to drag you away from the purposes of God every time. And they're two big things in our culture today, the same as it was 2,000 years ago, plans about what we're going to do and achieve and the money that we need to do there. My goodness, what a quick! is there a quicker pathway to draw us away from God? Well, this is interesting at the start of chapter 5 because he echoes the language that we've just seen in 4 verse 9. Yeah. He says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. So if we connect this with what he's saying before, yeah. there, there are clearly there's, – there's something going on. It's, it's not he's – not, um, he's, he's not criticising them because they're rich. This is around why – how they became rich. Yes. Because he says uh, you've – hoarded wealth, you failed to pay the workers and so forth. So there's a lot of 
injustice here in their acquisition of wealth. So he's saying, you've got some serious things that you need to face up to, uh, face up to those things. Um, so it, it is, it's connected with those verses before. Uh, and, I mean, you know, he says, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Uh, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one. So who, who is opposing you? So in, in this culture, wealthy people had this, really had the advantage. It, mm. it, and, um, and the poorer people really didn't have many rights. There wasn't unions or there wasn't an ombudsman that you could go to if you didn't get paid your wages. Or, or It just became so easy for wealthy people to get away with withholding wages, not paying as much, that it would almost go, you, you, could, you could, as a wealthy person, you could almost not notice that. Yes. Because it, it just becomes such, such a normal way of living. And he's, he's wanting them, again, this is about recognising what are God's priorities. Like you're so, uh, you're so focused on your own life and your own agendas Mm. let's start focusing on what God's agenda is. Could there be things that God is really concerned about in your life mm. that you are completely unaware of? Mm. And that, oh, that for me, is oh. it, it's a chilling kind of... That there could be things in my life mm. that I am unaware of, but that God is really, really concerned about. That is a bad scenario. But, but in light of that, I mean, this is why James warns us mm. that we... We then spend that time drawing closer to God and asking those hard questions. And his spirit is going to reveal them to us. Okay, we're running out of time here for this uh, you know, episode here on James. I wanted to, and I, and I think I didn't know you were going to bring this up at the beginning about the, you know, the 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 the, 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 the people in the name of Christians who have lived as Christians and then have walked away from the faith. Mm. But I think James, as he ends the book, and yeah. it's a weird way to end a book because he doesn't do the usual epistle, you know, ending of thanking different people or giving yeah. a beautiful thing. He ends it with a couple of verses here and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth, away from the faith, mm. and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Yeah, that's right. And I think in light of what you were talking about, wandering Christians, this is a beautiful truth not to give up on them. That's not right. Not to say, and this is what... This is what you know, mm. like I, I love to, I love to say, like I'm a struggling Calvinist, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing as a reformed person, and I go, I read verses like this, and I've got this temptation to be that hardcore Calvinist to go, yes, they've wandered off, be gone, <laughs> you were never one of us to begin with, and then I read this from James, and I go, no, I don't know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that's really in the spirit of of, <laughs> of Calvinism in 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 defence of, of of Calvinism. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, perhaps that's a that's a, a caricature. Anyway, the, but the point is caricature of myself. The point is, I think that's a really great point. Actually, we just shouldn't you know we shouldn't give up on people, and this this is beautiful because it expresses ultimately what is the heart of God. This isn't just someone's turned on the team or they're a traitor or it's not that sort of thing. This is a lost child, and at the end of the day, when God loses a child, the thing that God always wants, whether it's us, no matter what we've done or how far we've gone, or anyone else, no matter how far they've gone or what they've done, at the end of the day, God is a father. He is love. At the end of the day, he just wants his kids back. He wants to see his kids come back home. And he says, if you can be a part of that, wherever, if it, even if it's you coming back home or you bringing someone else back home, 
you are right with the heart of God. What a beautiful note to finish such a beautiful book, the book of James there. Really challenging for me and my stubborn old heart sometimes, my self-righteous heart. I wonder if you felt the same thing. Well, next week we get into the first letter from the Apostle Peter. Cannot wait to bring you that on episode 69. But don't forget, sonsofcora.com. Head over there. You're looking for the shop, the online store. Select as much as you want or even just one album and you get 50% off. Thrive Today 50 is the discount code that you want. Thrive Today 50. That's the discount code. It's so easy to do. Make haste while you can. It's going to last till Friday the 25th of October 2019. It's DJ here. Cannot wait to get back to you next week. It's going to be great as we move into First Peter. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on Thrive Deeper. Bye. for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.